WDBM East Lansing. Welcome to The Sci-Files, an Impact 89 FM series focusing on student research here at Michigan State University. We're your co-hosts Chelsea Boudou and Daniel Puentes. Insurance and healthcare mean something different across the world. Depending on what country you're in, it can mean whether you're paying for your healthcare, it can also mean whether you get free healthcare or not. In America, it's a hotly debated topic on whether healthcare is a right or a privilege. Today, we're here to talk to Kevin Crafe about does healthcare work? Kevin, can you please introduce yourself for us? Hi, my name is Kevin Crafe. I am a rising junior who is double majoring in James Madison College of Public Affairs as an international relations major, as well as a business student in Eli Broad College of Business majoring in supply chain. Nice to meet you. Thanks for that brief intro, Kevin. When people hear international relations and supply chain management, research isn't the first thing that comes to mind. How do you use your two fields of study to perform your research on human healthcare? Research, to me, is a component to every field. You always need to know what the newest technology is, what the newest policies are in order to innovate. And one of the things that international relations and supply chain do have in common is trying to find new ways how we can solve problems, whether that is how we're going to look at how states are going to interact, how people are going to interact, or from a business perspective, how we're going to streamline getting resources from A to B, how we're going to best figure out how to get what people people need to them. That is, in a sense, what supply chain is, if you think about it from not just a business perspective, but globally. I use my fields as a way to kind of think about how we as as people can figure out what kind of solutions we can find in both a political sense, globally, locally, federally, in the US case, and how we can work from a business or from a logistical perspective to get that to them. And while healthcare is normally a policy issue, there's always going to be a logistical component to that as well. Another component to it is not just getting people the goods or services that they need, but also thinking about what people need and how do we get it to them. From a healthcare perspective, it's not necessarily as much supply chain, but how are we going to finance things? How are we going to ensure that people are able to take care of themselves or whether the state should contribute to that, whether or not they should contribute to it to themselves? It goes back to the question that you asked of, is it a privilege or is it a right? And regardless of how we treat it, there still needs to be in the sense of, well, how are we going to do this from a financial or from a logistical perspective? What are we going to contribute to it and how is it working? Because if we want the United States or Michigan or wherever we are, the population to be healthy, then we need to have a mechanism or a system set up that actually helps people achieve that level of healthcare, that helps bring down problems like infant mortality rate or cancer mortality rates or other diseases like that and allows people to actually go to the doctor when they feel sick, that allows people to have the confidence that they aren't going to break their bank account just because something happened that they can't control. Regardless of if people think that's a privilege or not, there needs to be a mechanism in place for that to be carried out. Thanks, Kevin. You're right. There are a lot of things that go into this. People have to interact with each other all across the world to get this healthcare support because some prescriptions may not be made in the country that they're living in. Every country is different, and every citizen may not have access to the same kind of benefits that other people may have because of their occupation or where they live and their financial situation. What types of healthcare coverage exist in the United States and outside of the United States? 
most of the countries that I research outside of the United States exhibit either a single payer system like the National Healthcare Service in the UK or the Korean Healthcare Service that I looked at as well. But there are also healthcare services that are multi-payer or even still private and still count as universal healthcare. Switzerland and Germany exhibit those. My home country of Germany has a multi-payer system where it is a shared burden between the state that covers at least partial amounts of the healthcare costs for the individual and the rest needs to be covered either by out-of-pocket expenditures or private health insurance. I think one of the most personal examples I can have is in the United States, it costs, I think, around $5,000 to ride an ambulance to the hospital if you have an emergency. My grandmother recently in Germany needed to go to the hospital and use an ambulance. Luckily, she's fine, but it cost her a total of 150 euros out of pocket after her private insurance and her state-cared health insurance kicked in, which is considerably less and considerably lower cost burden, especially for someone that is a senior that doesn't have their own stable income anymore and would depend on pensions or other things. That's another system that I don't think is explored a lot in the US, while in Switzerland, a country that I also lived in, one that I was born in actually, has very, very strict competition laws where the individual states in Switzerland actually manage each individual healthcare system for the people that live there. It is not publicly provided. It is more so insured by a bunch of hundreds, and I literally mean hundreds, if not thousands of competing health insurance companies that are required to provide a minimum premium of coverage. And the prices are kept low because they all have to compete with each other, which means that drug prices decrease, premium costs per month decrease. Citizens are still able to get their health insurance coverages in Switzerland, even though is private just because of very, very tough regulation, which is something you don't see in the US. For example, in the US, we have, I think, four major health insurance conglomerates, including Aetna and Blue Cross Blue Shield, that would be illegal in Switzerland because they would be able to collude with each other and they would be able to dictate what the prices are, what the coverage is, what the policies are, rather than hundreds of companies competing with each other on a pricing and coverage basis. And of course, the majority of Swiss citizens flock to those that give the best coverage. This is the first time that I'm actually hearing about some of these different healthcare systems in other countries. Within the United States, each state has its own regulations when it comes to dealing with health insurance. How do state healthcare programs differ from these national health programs that exist? Most states uh, take into account a lot of the national health support that they already get, whether that is through Medicare, Medicaid, or the Affordable Care Act, normally known as Obamacare. And There are four states that have their own health insurance packages or health insurance qualities that I looked at, specifically ranging from more to less impact, which include Michigan, of course, the state that we reside in, Massachusetts, California, and Texas. So we're all over the spectrum in that way. And most states, what they do have in common is that they use national healthcare support like Medicare and Medicaid as a form of social welfare. Some support that with earned income tax credit, which is tax credit that low-income families can file for on a federal or on a state level and get a portion of their income that they paid in taxes back. Normally on a federal level, that can be about two and a half thousand dollars. It can range anywhere from two dollars if you have no family to six thousand dollars, but normally it's around two thousand dollars. In various states, that percentage of what that state supplies in addition varies. But we have seen that this private cash donation almost or cash reimbursement does have an impact on public health. More specifically, it helps a lot of low-income families, specifically in child development and healthcare in that way. But for the most part, the only states that actually provide their own healthcare system that I examined are Massachusetts, which has a very similar system to the Affordable Care Act, which is known as Massachusetts Health Connect, 
or Health Connector, California, which has CaliMed and is one of the most generous EITC states, but they both have vastly different, at least health insurance rankings. Wow, that's a lot of different healthcare coverage options. You had mentioned a few states, such as Michigan, Massachusetts, and California. Can you explain to me how those states' coverages are different? And you had also mentioned that Michigan needs more help than many other states. Why is that? The research that I did regarding that is over 50% of people in Michigan have employer-based health insurance, and there's still a problem with low-income families, even if they have some access to health insurance, not being able to afford prenatal care, having birth defects at disproportionately high levels, particularly low-income Black communities around Detroit. The problem stemmed from the fact that in 2008 or 2007, former Governor Rick Snyder cut earned income tax credit in Michigan and cut health insurance from 12% to 6% and also cut uh, a bunch of Medicare provisions. Reinstating those, over a thousand children would come out of poverty from households and have access to better, more regular primary healthcare providers and pediatricians. And 129,000 Michiganders would actually be able to have primary care providers and it would lift them out of borderline poverty line households. So I think that that's Definitely a massive indicator that helps me draw my conclusions that something is not working, at least not in Michigan. One important statistic to look at is from 2013 through 2015, it was still reported that Michigan had roughly 11% of its population that was without health insurance. And that includes Medicare, Medicaid, or any other insurance programs like that, which is roughly 1 million people if we estimate the population of Michigan to be about 10 million. And that's quite a few people. And that ranges literally families, infants, elderly, everyone that is going without health insurance. And that's something that definitely needs to be covered. However, that's not necessarily a shocking statistic in comparison to other states. Texas had approximately 16% of its population without health insurance, which is huge considering that the size of Texas is also about 25 million people. That is down in, in 2019 from originally 2013, where it used to be 20. And that's because Texas does not provide its own health insurance as a state. It only uses the national provisions. It doesn't provide its own earned income tax credits. So people have to rely on the federal funding. When you compare that to states like California or Massachusetts, which California provides its own attempt at universal health care and Massachusetts regulates its healthcare industry fairly heavily, they do a lot better. As a result, Massachusetts benefits a lot from high levels of earned income tax credit that are about 12% of what federal funding gives. And as a result, there are a reduction of occurrences in low birth rate, increased gestation time for pregnant women. There are improvements in child behavior index scores and decreases in mental health crises among young adults as well, because these are the groups that are most affected in Massachusetts and they have access to minimum health care packages as a result. California itself is also different in which California has Medi-Cal and high earned income tax credit benefit from the state that makes up about 66% at a high point of what the federal earned income tax credit is. About 10.4 million Californians are insured through CaliMed or otherwise known as Medi-Cal in 2018. But the problem in California is that it ranks 23rd for access, according to U.S. News, because most people are still uninsured or lack access to this insurance because the bureaucracy is so complicated and so difficult to obtain. It makes it expensive and it makes it inefficient in California, whereas the decentralized approach, which is very similar to the Affordable Care Act in Massachusetts, is far more agile from a financial perspective. 
That's interesting. So Massachusetts has a decentralized health insurance market, while California has a universal health care system, but it's centralized. It sounds like they're seeing positive benefits to the system that they have in place right now in the state of Massachusetts. However, what pushback exists that prevents states from wanting to move forward to this kind of health care system that Massachusetts has? The first suspicion that I would have is that it becomes a question of ideology as well. Massachusetts has decided to approach it from a regulatory perspective that private health insurance companies have to provide a minimum premium for everyone that is affordable. If not, they are subject to taxation. And that taxation then goes into providing that premium and helping citizens pay for that. It's modeled very similarly to the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare. And because of that, there have also been lawsuits in Massachusetts against the system that say that it is detrimental to citizens that still can't afford it afterwards because it becomes a penalty for them that they have to go to the hospital. They have to provide health insurance because legally they should be able to afford it, even though they still can't. So for homeless individuals or very, very poor individuals, even that becomes unattainable and it becomes detrimental to their actual access to health care in the long run. It's really unfortunate, Kevin. Honestly, it makes me really sad when you're telling me that 11% of people in Michigan in 2015 did not have health insurance, making that a million people. That's a lot of people. Then even more, you were saying that about 4.5 million people in Texas didn't have health insurance, and there's 25 million people over there. That's a lot of people who don't have health insurance. There are a lot of different options that people can choose, and especially like we're saying that it changes across the borders of the states. How are you studying this specifically in your research? The way that I choose parameters to evaluate health insurance systems or healthcare systems and if they function, be it in the United States or abroad, is how many people are insured, how much of the costs are have to pay out of pocket, and how affordable those out-of-pocket costs are and what percentage of the population is affected by it being how can people in poverty afford healthcare and health insurance. So those are the parameters that I examine to determine if something is functioning or not. I can imagine that affordability is a large uncertainty within these studies that you're doing when you're studying these different healthcare systems and how well they work. For example, people sometimes just not go to the doctor because they're afraid that they wouldn't even be able to afford the visit, even with the insurance that they have. In your studies, what are you defining as affordability and how do you characterize that? I characterize affordability by the ability for an individual to go to a doctor and not have to take on additional loans or debts or have their financial stability jeopardized. And I guess the biggest problem in the United States is um, the income level for most Americans simply isn't high enough to afford private health insurance if something horrible happens. I think over two-thirds of Americans live, especially below the age of 35, live paycheck to paycheck. And because of that, any large medical emergency will break their bank and because of that, they can't afford to go to a doctor. They simply cannot and they have to save. I agree with you. I know people that have tried to get health insurance separate from their employer, and it's just way too expensive for them to get private health insurance. I especially worry about people right now during the pandemic. For people who are sick and they're worried about going into the doctor because they're worried if they can afford the bills, let alone ICU bills. In your studies, you happen to look at how people are affected by crises such as a pandemic? While I didn't specifically look at the pandemic, my research came from slightly before that, I think the pandemic has confirmed a lot of the problems that my research did find. And that is that with over half, actually 53% of Michigan residents getting their health insurance from their employers and only 5% getting additional private health insurance, 
there's going to be a, a large problem with unidentified cases in the state. And of course, there's going to be a problem with handling the pandemic in, in the United States. I don't think it's a coincidence at all that the Europe predominantly multi or single pair healthcare system environment has handled the outbreak better than the United States, where people can actually afford to go to the doctor because they know that it's not going to break them financially. That's not the same response in the US. The response is, if I don't have symptoms or if it's just a cold, I'll survive and therefore more people get sick. Thanks for that explanation, Kevin. I can see how the COVID-19 pandemic is definitely shedding a light on the problems that currently exist within the United States healthcare system. Bringing it back to the parameters that you had mentioned earlier that you used to study the healthcare systems, how do you actually study them? Do you use a statistical program that allows you to find correlations between these parameters? Yeah. So I conduct most of my studies. My most useful program is Excel because I just process a lot of raw data and look at it myself. Something that I was taught from an early age was don't trust any published data unless you've actually manipulated the raw data yourself. So using websites like the World Health Organization, NCBHI, and other organizations that survey this raw data, I'm able to download most of it as publicly free and available, and I can make uh, Z-tests or other statistical tests to compare data and confirm or deny what is being published because a lot of information is relatively partisan, especially in the US. So I try to make my own conclusions from the raw data as well. I'm glad you're able to gather a diverse range of data for your analyses. Since you're able to go through all of this information about different healthcare policies, what do you think can be done to improve the U.S. healthcare system? Well, based off of the observations I have, one of the things that could certainly be done is to strengthen Medicare and Medicaid and try to strengthen some of the earned income tax provisions because the primary thing that needs to happen is people need the disposable income to afford health insurance if we are to continue the system that is currently being used. My personal preference would be to move towards a more multi-payer system where there is a contribution from the public investment or the public sector into the general healthcare budget and everyone gets at least partial coverage and then has it on their own duty to get private health insurance or to, if we want to continue the system as well, make it more accessible that more people have access to high quality employer-based insurance because a lot of people that work part-time jobs just don't have access to that. And there's numerous solutions that we can talk about regarding that as well. But the first thing that needs to happen is income needs to be supplemented or the public contribution needs to be supplemented so that Americans can actually afford health care. I agree. There should be some sort of support that exists for people that come from these low income backgrounds. Another thing that could prevent disenfranchised people is how complicated the health insurance system can be to navigate. What are some ways that you think the healthcare system can be simplified and made easier to understand, as well as more accessible for people from low-income backgrounds? Well, one thing that we can look at regarding low-income families and disenfranchisement is a lack of access to education, a lack of access to having those higher-level income jobs that provide health insurance from their employers as well, or partnerships. And an idea that I have that comes from my home country of Germany is apprenticeships to take the place of most bachelor's degrees or other jobs like that, where companies get subsidies or tax breaks to take on individuals in disenfranchised communities that don't have training, don't have a resume and say, we're going to train you how to do this. And that can be anything from ranging from a vocational training to a mechanic or a bricklayer to things in Germany, you can even become a banker or an accountant through an apprenticeship. And that allows you to get that training. It allows you to have a paycheck. It allows you to work with a company 
and then make your way out of that so that you can have access to more expensive insurance or better premiums like that. From a more socialized perspective, simply reallocating parts of budgets that aren't used, we're talking about defunding the police or reallocating security funds, putting that into uh, Medicare, Medicaid, and expanding public options is something that really should be considered if we want disenfranchised people to have access to healthcare, particularly low-income communities in inner cities. There is a lot that needs to be done, and there is improvement that can be made in the U.S. healthcare system. You had mentioned that you had lived in Germany and predominantly in Switzerland, but now you're here in the United States. I know you had said that you're a junior. Whenever you're done with your degree, do you plan on staying over here for your future career? And do you have any ideas for your future career? I don't think that anyone can actually plan anything of where they they will be or want to go. I know that one thing that I'm thinking about is maybe eventually turning back to Europe at some point, but that is only if that opportunity presents itself. In terms of my career, I know that when I'm done with undergrad here, I do want to go to law school. I do want to pursue a law degree, and I do actually want to fight for improving a lot of base necessities, whether that's in the private or public sector, through advocacy, whether that's healthcare, access to clean water, access to tons of stuff. Because I think that as much as a lot of things are considered a privilege, I think what we need to define differently in, in the U.S. is what is a necessity to live anymore and what is a necessity to have a good quality of life. And I know that there's a possibility I'll be doing that in Switzerland. I know that there's a possibility I'll be doing that here, but I also know that I enjoy the time that I've spent in both countries. Well, thank you for joining us this morning, Kevin, to talk about the complexities of healthcare systems that exist not only globally, but here within the United States as well. And good luck with the rest of your research as well as your major. Thank you very much. Good luck to you too, Danny and Chelsea. Thank you very much for having me. The Sci-Files is hosted by Chelsea Voodoo and Dan Puentes on Impact 89FM. Thank you to our news director, Taylor Halterman, program director, Amber Konutsky, station manager, Joe Dandrin, and general manager, Jeremy Whiting. The Sci-Files can be found online on scifiles.org and on your favorite podcast directory. If you're an MSU student and want to be featured on Sci-Files, or if you have any questions, you can contact us at scifiles at impact89fm.org. Thanks for listening, and remember, the truth is in the science.